it was a small law firm, about four or five lawyers. And I just saw there was a lot of kind of ways that tech could help improve various processes in, 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 at the firm. And so I would kind of complain a bit to a mutual, to a mutual friend of ours <laughs> and he's in finance. And, uh, eventually he had been hearing what GMO was thinking about law. Uh, from a machine learning, natural language processing, AI stand side. And I was kind of just fumbling in the dark and talking about tech. And so he connected us. And uh, then the two crazy people at the party got to meet. Yeah, yeah. Today on Law Next, we're going to speak with the founders of Ross Intelligence, Andrew Aruda, who's now the CEO, and Gmo. Only ugly. No one's Ogle. ever got it, so don't feel bad about it. I think I think the over under was at I the office. I practiced yeah. before we started. Yeah. You almost had it. I knew I was going to get it. Oviagoli, Oviagoli, nice. Gmo Oviagoli. I'm sorry. Best and, second and, try. And, and not, not that Ambrogi is any easier of a name to pronounce, but uh, it gets. But anyway, this is Bob Ambrogi, and you're, and you're listening to Law Next. The podcast that features the innovators and entrepreneurs of uh, uh, who are driving what's next in law. I, I we do have to start the whole thing over okay, again. No worries. We should start the whole thing over again. <laughs> that, that was fun was, though. Yeah, I know we could leave it. <laughs> we could leave it. All right, we'll leave it. What the yeah, heck? What do we it. care? Yeah, it's only a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to today's interview in just a moment, but first, let's hear from the sponsors who generously support Law Next. ShareFile is a secure, easy-to-use collaboration and workflow solution that has helped more than 90,000 customers secure data, share files, and collaborate on documents. With ShareFile for Legal, you can eliminate the never-ending speed bumps during client collaboration, giving your clients one tool to onboard, sign retainers, and share requested documents. It can also be easily integrated with popular workplace tools like Google Workspace, Salesforce, QuickBooks, Zapier, and more bringing even more ease to the client experience. To learn more about how ShareFile for Legal can help you keep work flowing, go to sharefile.com. And now, on to this week's interview. So I am actually here in Toronto today, sitting here live with uh, Andrew and Gmo and uh, it's kind of a fun thing to do. I'm, I've been spending the day meeting with a, uh, a number of different people who work uh, for Ross and getting to little, know a little bit more uh, about uh, who's behind the product and, and what the product's looking like at this point. But uh, you guys were really one of the first, if not the first, intentionally AI-driven legal research products out there on the market. I mean, Thomson Reuters will tell you we've had AI for forever and, yeah. and whatever, but you guys are really kind of the first that started to do it. And uh, so I'd, I'd love to just start with kind of how you guys got together and started working on this in the first place. Um, yeah, I blame GMO. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, uh, I guess I'll kick it off and then um, you can jump in. I feel yeah. like um, it all happened uh, in 2015. And I think it was a lot of really good luck, to be honest, where it was myself, I had finished law school, I was working at a law firm, um, I had been working at that law firm, and even doing my undergrad, uh, I would take night courses, so I could uh, work at the firm and pay my way through. And at the time that I had started Ross, I think I had been working at that firm for maybe six years, seven years at mm -hmm. that point. And throughout that period, it was a small law firm, about four or five lawyers. 
And I just saw there was a lot of kind of ways that tech could help improve various processes in, 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 at the firm. And so I would kind of complain a bit to a mutual, to a mutual friend of ours <laughs> and he's in finance. And, uh, eventually he had been hearing what GMO was thinking about law, uh, from a machine learning, natural language processing AI stand side. And I was kind of just fumbling in the dark and talking about tech. And so he connected us and, uh, then the two crazy people at the party got to meet. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, while Andrew was working at the law firm, um, I was studying computer science at the University of Toronto, focusing on artificial intelligence. I at first got my start in AI at the University of Texas, actually working on self-driving cars, uh, developing intelligent systems to help them navigate the world. Um, but then I ended up uh, pivoting towards um, neural networks, brain-inspired algorithms that could be used to um, understand and generate language. And I started thinking about where this technology could have the biggest impact. And I thought back to how when I was younger, um, when my mom needed a lawyer, she didn't have that many options available to her because of um, her income. She was a single mother um, of two. And I thought back to my conversations with Andrew, him talking about how he did legal research, um, how he started really broad and did searches within searches and Boolean and for hours on <laughs> end. And I was just like, what if we could get a machine learning system to uh, do that for you? Um, and he was just like, is that possible? And I was just like, yeah. And yeah, it was I, it, it was really funny because I kept asking you, you know, what's possible now? And is this something kind of in the future? Is this Star Trek? And <clears throat> a lot of people don't know this, but Toronto has really been the epicenter of a lot of the modern AI movement. And so there is uh, a distinct Canadian kind of leadership in the space. And I think yeah. that's why, you know, when you mention us being the first um, to kind of really um, come out with a, a company that we said was an AI legal company. I think that was because of us being from Toronto, where you know we had great professors, including Professor Jeff Hinton, who was really kind of the you're the godfather of legal tech. He's the godfather <laughs> of deep learning, and so he had really been um, putting in decades of work um, to get to, to a point where systems were starting to do things that quite honestly were, especially coming from the legal world, I was just completely blown away by. Mm -hmm. And so when Gmo said what was happening, where things were, um, I knew that it was only a matter of time before things um, would come to the law. And I thought to myself, this probably is going to be bigger than the internet. And why? I, I think eventually I, I was like, why wouldn't, why couldn't it be us to help kind of uh, make it happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why? How did you decide to tackle the legal research as a use of, of, of machine learning in the legal space? I mean, you could have gone after I don't know, you know, document management like a lot yeah. of people are doing, or contract management, or something else. How, how did you focus in on that sort of uh, problem and 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 come about a way of trying to address it? Um, two reasons. Um, the pain point was real. It was a burning pain that. Um, lawyers have and the suitability of the technology um, to um, the problem. And then also there is a... The suitability the, of the technology, you mean because you've got data that that 
that that the machine can use as source to learn yeah. from and get better at. Yeah, e- e- exactly. And and it's also a hard problem. And if we solve this problem, the what we could do after that, because of the technology that we've developed, um, the opportunities are enormous. Just like when Google tackled search, um, that technology that it developed, it's using in all of its different web services. Yeah. Um, so it's we're, we are in legal research today, um, but we, we, we think in decades and it, it, this is just step one. So you got uh, you got going 2014 2015 got together you were I think you told me earlier you were 22 years old uh, then Jimo and... it depends on when you uh, <laughs> start counting 21 yeah. and turning 22 yeah yeah, yeah and you were yeah, you're an old man I, yeah I was uh, I was an old man in Silicon Valley at that point I was yeah. 24 yeah. Um, and now uh, at uh, I just turned 30 uh, not too long ago. Um, I feel like uh, I've really kind of paid my dues now. Uh, yeah, it is weird. Being 26 in Silicon Valley, I was like, oh, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we started. We started Especially then. since you guys both made the Forbes 30 under 30 one year, right? So yeah, now yeah, you're, you're yeah, did now, they have to like excise now, your name from the magazine? Yeah, yeah now it's 40 under 40. So <laughs> That's like a I've, couple years. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny though, Bob, that you mentioned that. I think that was definitely part of uh, us and the the drive to do this because when I remember us sitting down and sketching things out and it was all very, we knew that there was a, a problem. We knew that the technology was getting to a point where you could build a lot of the things that we wanted to build. And I think if I had known how hard it was gonna be, who knows if I, if we mm-hmm. would kind of pursue it. But at the time when you're that young and that exuberant, you just kind of do it. And so I do think that there's an element of when it you talk about entrepreneurship, just kind of not knowing is always a good thing. Yeah, and yeah. I'm glad we went through it. I, you know, we've built out the team. You got to meet so many amazing people. And um, I think we're so lucky to, to kind of be where we are. But that journey is something that's really tough. And I think us being young and a little bit, uh, I think the naivete. Naive, was a, yeah. yeah. I think that's Admitting to something before you know all the problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so what were some of the first steps from there? I know you were uh, involved in an IBM Watson competition at some point that mm-hmm. I think, as I, if I recall, you came in second, but it was a close call. Yeah. yeah. Close call. Um, so what was that? What happened? That was through the University of Toronto? Was that? Yeah, that was through the University of Toronto. Toronto, uh, they wanted to hold a competition to see what sort of applications people could make with some of their um, Watson uh, services. So we competed in Toronto uh, locally, and then we went to New York to compete against other schools like the University of Texas and Stanford. Uh, And we ended up getting beat by the University of Texas, which was my old school. So that was a bit bittersweet. but that was um, that was funny because I remember being there, and I think you had known some of the folks yeah, on that I, team too. I knew those folks, and yeah, so yeah. it was fun. But we yeah. did win in Toronto, and then we we went to New York for that competition. Mm-hmm. And I think what was neat about that was about how we were already getting exposure to the idea that we were on the right track, mm-hmm. um, and it was a good way to kind of catapult us forward. Not to yeah. jump into yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That brought you a little more attention. I mean, you were probably already getting some attention at that point, but that brought more to you you got yeah. some press coverage yeah like globe and mail new yeah. york times of canada yeah um yeah. which is amazing that's when um 
that's when my mom was okay with me dropping out of school. <laughs> yeah. She was just like, oh, you've made it. I was like, mom, this is great, but <laughs> there's a lot of hard work ahead. My yeah. uh, my parents will still introduce me as a lawyer at yeah. family events. So. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they must be pretty lawyer proud of the, yeah. They must be pretty proud of what you've done here. Yeah, they certainly are. I think um, it was tough, though, especially early days when you want to jump into a field. There wasn't a lot of legal technology successes to point to. I think we've seen so many great examples of that as even you know, e-discovery companies have matured and they've gone public and have been huge successes, um, which was already starting at that point, obviously already very mature in many ways. But then when now you look at companies like Clio, who's doing you know really, really well and scaling and continuously growing, there wasn't really that going on. Um, and so choosing A to leave, and both Jimo and I come from pretty modest backgrounds and starting a company, that's tough. And then also choosing to do it in law, which um, is a tough space. I mean, you know, um, it's it hasn't happened before, so you don't have playbooks that you can necessarily use. And you can obviously use um, startup playbooks that are generalized, but there is a unique aspect of going into um, an older guild-like um, established industry and saying that you've created a new tool or a new way to do something um, better with a new type of technology. Right. Well, I'm sure, I mean, where we are today, people have, it's become common to talk about AI and, and just about every press release I get in my email inbox every day talks about AI in some way, shape or form. But in even not that long ago, 2015 certainly seems like a long time ago in terms of having that conversation. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you were probably faced a little bit of an uphill battle and just getting people to even listen to you talk about this. And take us serious. I mean, you know, when we would say artificial intelligence, I mean, we still get sometimes people asking us where the robot is. But back then, I mean, it was, we were asked where mm -hmm. the robot was a lot. Yeah. And it was not just educating the legal market. I mean, even venture capitalists in tech didn't yeah. really understand AI. Yeah. Um, so... That just added to the complexity of things. Yeah. But you did uh, get the Y Combinator people. Yeah, we got Y Combinator yeah. to listen. So that yeah. Was, yeah, that was really great. And what was fun about the Y Combinator thing was it allowed us to, we then moved from Toronto um, to uh, to uh, California. Was it just the two of you still at that uh, point? Uh, also in Parglez. Parglez. Oh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. yeah. And then shortly thereafter, we uh, hired our employee number one and started to grow the team there. So we actually grew the team there before... And then we opened our Toronto office and moved, Jimu uh, moved back. And, I and moved was, back, yeah. But and Parglis is the third co founder yes. and yeah. blanking on his last name. But it's uh, Daulio. We make things yeah. very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could get a John Smith in yeah. here or something. <laughs> Although I was at an event where uh, Bob was introduced as Bob M. Brogy. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. my name gets my so, name gets totally distorted all the time. So um, the Y Combinator thing was really great because we the legal world was excited about what we were doing. And now the tech world at large was excited about what we were doing. And as Canadian entrepreneurs getting our foot in the door into the US startup ecosystem, specifically in Silicon Valley, was kind of like, I don't know what the analogy would be like showing up in Hollywood and seeing all the cast and characters from the from the the, the movies, you know? So you get there and all of a sudden it's like, oh, is that so-and-so? Like that person, um, their company was acquired by Google. That that person scaled that company up to X amount of users. And so it instilled in us this idea where what was possible, 
Um, we had such great mentorship and some of the, our, our, our best mentors continue to be from that ecosystem. It instilled in us the possibility and the idea that you're going to do this, you can do this. And it was, uh, it was a fabulous experience. Yeah, it was um, like, like Andrew was saying, like, just like learning, seeing, understanding the, the winning mindset added and attitudes of the entrepreneurs there especially the ones who were partners at Y Combinator was extremely um, helpful and I, I think it, it gave us the confidence to really um, and the knowledge to really take things to the next level yeah. yeah we'll get back to my interview in just a moment but first let's take a break to hear from the sponsors who generously support Law Next And now let's continue this week's interview. So other than people's familiarity with AI, mm -hmm. what were some of the challenges or obstacles that you were faced kind of early on in, in trying to get grow this company? Well, I think some, mm -hmm. some of it's kind of funny. Well, because when you consider if we're trying to talk to an AMLA 10 or 20 firm and we ended up signing early early on, I mean, Denton's even invested in us and we were their first investment from a large law firm who started in, uh, an investment arm. We had a lot of those wins. But when you think about it, you see it in a press release. But what you don't see is, you know, Gmo, Parglas, myself, maybe employee number one, and just us sitting at a table being like, okay, how do we prepare for this meeting? How do we get like, and there's four or five people um, as a company and you're talking to the world's largest law firm and they're piloting your system and they're asking things like, you know, how much support am I going to be able to get and this and that and can it do this and can it do that? And it's just, it's those early days that I miss a lot of, especially as the team's gotten, as you saw, like really big and we have people doing everything. It was just kind of, I think that those were some of the challenges where it was just um, going to those meetings and um, also, when you're building a product early days, uh, there's, you know, there'll be a bug here, there'll be a bug there. And so navigating that. And I remember my favorite one was, uh, I think it was a week or two in mm -hmm. uh, to us kind of pitching teams. The head of a law firm really liked us. And they said, um, I got our head uh, librarian uh, is, is coming by. And then uh, Ross was on a um, mobile device. It was on a uh, it was on an Android, tablet. A tablet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it was also speech text, so you could speak out loud to it. Right. And so the research uh, librarian came in, and we were very nervous because you know they really know research better than anyone else. And uh, at the time, it was employment law um, in Canada, and we were starting to play around with bankruptcy law in the U.S. And they asked a question, and the results came back from Ross, and they looked up. And they were like, yeah, actually, those are those are pretty on on point. And I remember just breathing out such a huge sigh of relief <laughs> because um, it was, you know, it's those early days. So I think right. that's that that's what I remember the most. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I mean, I, I I know just from direct experience that sometimes uh, in those early days, you're 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 kind of improvising when, in the sense of uh, you're you're getting uh, having to deal with people or answer questions that maybe haven't come up before. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and make promises answer. that maybe the staff hasn't quite been hired yet. But, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. 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 And and on the staff, so staffing, hiring, and building a team yeah. to solve these problems was a challenge yeah right because we had to hire 
software engineers. We had to hire machine learning engineers, right. uh, NLP engineers, and and lawyers as well. So we had to get the smartest people in every position um, on the field. And for the lawyers, um, we had to convince them to leave their their jobs after investing so much in law school and for the engineers that wasn't get... that hard was it? <laughs> actually it was yeah it yeah. wasn't that hard it's a pretty sweet deal yeah. actually like, it was do you want to work 12 hour days it's, it's about finding the right, yeah, ones. The, the right ones the right ones yeah not the ones who are trying to jump ship yes yeah um right and then I was talking to one of the lawyers on your staff today who said she's having more fun now than she's ever had as a lawyer. Yeah, yeah she's having a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even um, hiring um, the convincing engineers don't go to Facebook, don't go to Google, don't work on yeah. ad algorithms, come work on um, like making the law more. Uh, navigable, accessible. Um, it's it's and... going to be a tough sale to somebody if, if they're <laughs> yeah. weighing Google yeah, versus yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. some little startup company <laughs> yeah. trying yeah. to trying to help with the law. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 worked. It, it worked. It worked. Yeah, it worked. and I think yeah. I mean you know recently um, we've made some great announcements about uh, additions to the team. Obviously, Jack Newton joining our board has been great, and also the CEO of Clio, the yeah. founder and CEO of Clio. Yeah, uh, who's just fabulous, and I also you know his guidance is great. But like even directly on the team on a day to day basis. Um, we we brought in um, uh, Sturgios, who you met uh, today as well, and had some great combos with. And he was former director of engineering over at Shopify and helped build their team from you know very small to very large numbers. And so when it's it's a really amazing thing, I think, and um, I count us to be very lucky to be able to come up with an idea that people could rally behind. And the idea of democratizing the legal space and to make sure that legal information is accessible, navigable, and easy to kind of interact with did get people passionate. Um, but then you also have to build the product. Right. You have to find the right people. You have to raise the venture capital money. You have to ensure that you travel to all the different conferences and raise awareness within the space. Right. You have to raise awareness with the right people. So you want to make sure that you're getting the product in front of people who make purchasing decisions at firms, but at the same time, ensuring the product is getting in front of end users. So it's, um, and you know, you sat in on one of our fun kind of UX meetings. There's a lot of things that you have to consider, even in what, what would appear from the face of something to be almost like a simple interaction, right. um, especially if you're doing it right. Yeah. And we really want to make sure everything's as. Yeah, the devil's in the, in the detail. Yeah. 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 So, how have you financed all this? Yeah, so this has been a venture capital funded initiative, and oftentimes that's what happens with startup. Um, I think even that has changed so much since we started. When we started, we were some of the first legal tech investments that different um, venture capitalists had made um, in different funds, and now they've actually made multiple investments. I actually met uh, in San Francisco not too long ago with a venture capitalist who's now saying that he's really starting to go with a legal tech thesis. So asked me to make other introductions, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so we started uh, venture capital backed um, and have, and also some really great individuals, some some kind of angels that came on early as well. Yeah. You, you raised, uh, I know you raised, what was it, a 4.3 round early on, like 2015, yeah. right? And then a 8.7 2017? Yep. 2017, yeah. And then uh, we have some more announcements around that too. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you can, here you are. Here's yeah, some yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? That's, I'm just trying to get on another podcast with you. So. <laughs> the hook to yeah. the next one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But really yeah. great investors. I mean, like you said, yeah. Y Combinator, Inovia, Comcast Ventures. Yeah. Um, yeah, some really yeah great it's been jobs. interesting to see a lot of the big uh, Silicon Valley firms getting getting interested in this space. So uh, how has the product evolved since the beginnings up to where we are today? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll jump in kind of from a um, perspective of end user, and Jimo, you mm -hmm. could jump in and kind of infrastructure and, and kind of your thoughts from a, a, a machine learning standpoint. But I think when we started, um, we started uh, in Canadian law, uh, labor and employment, and then we're playing around with other practice areas. And then when we moved down for Y Combinator, uh, we started building within US bankruptcy law. And that was really fun. We worked out some kinks there, added on intellectual property, added on labor and employment. Last year released Ross across every practice area. Uh, and then what? once we were really uh, operating and really solving, you, you have a legal research question, we get you to your answer and to that aha moment faster than anyone else, offering insights you might miss on other platforms, that's where we focused on. But I think lately what we've been doing is taking things and doing things that no one else is really doing and some things you saw today where you can start to ask Ross questions that include facts of your case, include why you're doing your research, your procedural posture. And I think... Jimo, you, you mentioned it, you know, when you start and you we chose legal research because it's such a tough area. But now that we've put in that hard time, we're starting to be able to make the system do some really amazing things that you otherwise couldn't have done if you didn't go from the ground up in the way we did. And you saw some of the stuff we've done around summarization of text and it's instant and um I mean, I am a co-founder and I knew these things were coming, but when I see it happen, I still think it's, it blows me away and I, I, I'm part of it. So I think uh, what's coming next um, are some some really exciting things and I will show you also um, in the next day or so. Yeah. <laughs> On the next podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and from um, a technology perspective, um, one of the things that uh, surprised me when I first started talking to Andrew about how he did legal research and how other lawyers often do legal research is uh, they start very broad and then they go narrow um, with their keyword or, or Boolean searches. So it's sort of like a upside down pyramid. And then I was just like, Andrew, why don't you just get straight to the point and then widen out? So find that relevant decision and then expand out from there and then look at the citations and the treatments and then but the problem is is that these keyword search based legal research engines um, they look at your your query like the words are independent of each other but in real life um, words relate to each other they modify each other and that 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 context adds adds meaning which they don't really look at so that's one of the things that we try to capture um in our automatic analysis of the queries when we're looking for uh the right decision that's responsive to that's relevant to their the legal issue and the facts um and then the the other thing that i heard uh over and over again was that it was it was so time consuming and painstaking figuring out the right terms to use because you have this question in your head, but you don't know how what words the judge used. Did the did the judge use finger or did did they use digit? 
which is the medical term. Right. Um, so that's another thing. Like, what words, what phrases semantically mean the same thing? So um, these sound like trivial problems uh, because humans are so natural at doing this. Yeah. But from a tech perspective, it's it's really, really, really hard. And um, w this is what we obsess over is um, understanding language and, and, and finding um, actual answers to questions rather than um, documents that just contain keywords that yeah. you have to sift through. So understanding language and understanding the, the context in which the language is being exactly. used so that you can combine that to, to deliver more precise results. Yeah, yeah. There, 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 there's, a, there's a saying in, in natural language processing that um, words are characterized by the company that they keep. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so it's, it seems like one of the ways also in which the, the product has evolved um, is is in the market you're going after to some extent. It, 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 and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that earlier on you were kind of going focusing much more on the larger firm market. Yeah. And now you've expanded that um, really across firms of all sizes. Uh, and in fact, I think you were telling me earlier today that, that uh, you know, increasingly the, the, the biggest, fastest growing uh, customer base is probably in the solo and small market right yeah. now. Yeah. It was actually is our, that is that intentional or is that just sort of happen uh, in some natural way or I think it's it's a it's a combination of two things one um, it kind of happened naturally in some ways but I also think um, it was always when we thought of Ross and we thought of who the tool and our software would have the biggest impact on I mean I was at a firm of about four lawyers and one thing that was always frustrating for me is. I look at the you know opposing counsel and their firm, and I see they have an army of junior folks to do a whole bunch of legwork that always kind of just felt unfair. And so there was always a passion within us to ensure that the tool was A, affordable by everyone. But, but now I think in particular what's led to us getting such a huge influx of solo and small law firm folks is the fact that we have opened up the system so anyone can try it. We do a 14-day free trial. They like it. They don't like it. They can compare. They can contrast. But I also think another fun thing that we've done is um, have our pricing so that it's month to month uh, rather than locking someone in. And so that means sometimes you could be a small law firm and or a solo and you have an issue that you do need to do research on. You bring in Ross, you pay for a month or two, then you don't have research the next month. You just don't pay for it. And I think that has led to really good word of mouth within the solo small law firm community where they, they you know, we were talking, I mentioned to Bob as well, like when someone says, hey, I went with you guys over anyone else because your pricing model suggests you really care about us, that makes us feel good. And so we still are spreading, I think, very organically through the AMLA 100, 200 and the large law firms. Um, and I would say with, we also announced partnerships with bar associations. So the majority of the market, it's 80%, you know, m many say is solo and small law firms. So I think in many ways, we we started with some of those large law firms who are traditionally known for you know innovation and putting money in that budget into it. But the tool is super affordable, and I think it's been really fun. Yeah. It, it brings a lot of satisfaction uh, to the whole team when uh, we can see the day to day impact it has. Yeah, and yeah. and talking to a lot of our customers, um, the month to month model <clears throat> means a lot to them. Like um, one of our customers was saying that like because it's month to month, we have to earn her business every month because she could decide not to renew. And mm -hmm. 
that meant means a lot rather than being in a locked into a long-term contract. We have to be on the, our, our best behavior. We have to keep on innovating to earn her business back every month. Yeah. Um, so our, our customers really love that. And also it's also more flexible, like Andrew said, um, and just works more with their business. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, something uh, that you've been in the past been subject to criticism for from me and but from others because i've i've heard others criticize you for this was was that for a long time you made it very hard to see the product yeah <laughs> uh, i mean essentially uh i wasn't i was never able to test the product yeah. for one I, not that i hold gripes and <laughs> uh but uh, grudges rather um but i mean I, this I actually came up once at a at a double a double l meeting where people were talking about it and saying you know we want to see it and we don't understand why we can't see it You've gone 180 degrees from there. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of factors there. One, early days, especially when you're working on something like that, um, you want to ensure that the pressure on your tech team isn't so high um, that they're innovating in a room with fluorescent lighting and a gallery. Because when you're building a product, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And I thought, and from what I saw in the legal tech world, was there wasn't really... Before us, I think Clio, again, I, I shout out to them because they're doing it, but not a lot of companies had released a product and then iterated on it almost on a weekly basis, right. where what you saw one day literally was not what you saw the next day, which was the next day, which mm -hmm. was the next day. And because I didn't think that that, that w there was that kind of open culture for it, it I, I kind of got worried with it. But I also think there was an element of um, not wanting to add that pressure. And by that time, Bob... When you hear the term like AI, there was already so many articles saying um, AI is going to replace lawyers, et cetera. So there was so much craze around the things. And I think, Jimo, you have a really great story that kind of puts it nicely around like the invention of the car, if you want to, because that- Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so I always like to uh, describe the, uh, the hype around AI is like- if when Carl's Benz invented the automobile, like all the reporters were saying, oh, my God, someone invented a teleportation machine and people showed up and saw this guy like driving at 40 miles per hour and says, that's not teleportation. And it was like, yeah, but like he's yeah. going 40 miles per hour. It's like a, it's an automated carriage. Yeah. Um, so it's really important to manage um, expectations in that way. Yeah. 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 But you have now gone 180 degrees. I, I, what was it, two or three, four months ago now, you opened up, basically anybody can come in and sign mm -hmm. up for a free trial and try yeah. your mm -hmm. software. And there's no, they don't have to put money down up front. They don't have to uh, sign up for a, a sales demo or something like no, that. It's, no. yeah. Some people like the sales demo. Well, they may yeah, like it. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you'd be happy to give it to them if <laughs> yeah. they want it. But. No, but I think, I think part of that too, Bob, is when the tool is at a point where um, it still changes. And I mean, you saw some meetings about things that are going in and it, it changes faster than I'd say almost any other tool in the market because of the way that we've brought in very modern approaches to software development that you just don't see in other companies. Um, but it's at a point where we feel very comfortable that you know someone jumps in there, uh, one year experience, 10 years experience, starting their career, ending their career. And it's across every practice area. That was another challenge. If we're available across one practice area, and someone comes from another practice area, they don't even know what question to ask. So I just, 
um, it, it's, it was early days. We started getting such so much coverage and we were only like three, four months old. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was still, you know what it was too, Bob? Some of that, hey, you know what? I'll be right back to that meeting. You know, I try to figure things mm-hmm. out as we go. But um, I'm really happy now. I mean, people love to just pop into the tool and it's been fun. So uh, you, I mean, you have already uh, teased me with talk of uh, new investors and, and new features in your product that'll be coming down the road at some point. But but what's apart from sort of specifics like that? What's what's the bigger vision? Where do you see this company going? What do you want it? Where do you want it to go? What do you want it to become? Well, we want to be the AI platform. Now that you now that Andrew's reached thirty, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm gonna retire now. <laughs> we want it to be the AI platform uh, for the law. Um, what we've been um, developing is technology uh, to understand legal language. And you can imagine um, all the applications for that. We want to make lawyers as effective and efficient as possible. Um, we want to augment them with um, all the intelligence that we have at our techn- technological disposal. Yeah. So, I mean, what would be something? I, I don't have much of an imagination. Yeah, I, so, I mean, what would I'll, be something beyond what you're doing now? I'll throw they, some out there. I think one of the things that continues to amaze us, um, and again, I think we're really lucky that we've had so many people from around the world fall in love with, like, Ross, our mission, uh, the fact that we're kind of bringing a very modern kind of build to this, and they see the people we hire and the way we do things. And so... International expansion is kind of, uh, isn't maybe not as sexy as the kind of, you know, what what would come next, but that is certainly something that makes a lot of sense and we've already solved certain problems and we can do that. But then I think if you think about how Google continued to evolve from search, they solved search and then they built an ecosystem of capabilities around that. And if our system, when you think about it, if our system continues to, uh, to um, progress in a way that it truly understands legal language, text, and questions, we could build out a variety of different capabilities that help maybe in the filing of something, maybe in just kind of further along in workflows. And so um, we like... We like to look at what, where do we fit in currently in a lawyer's workflow, and then where does it make sense for us to continue to expand within? Yeah, is that is that how you see it as well? I mean, you, does that yep. fit with your vision yeah, of yeah, it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and we it, we were talking. I think you mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but we were also talking about this earlier today. That, that both of you came from. Uh, I don't want to say disadvantage. That's probably not the right word, but not wealthy backgrounds. Yeah. I mean, you didn't come from a lot of money. Your your families weren't weren't, weren't rich growing up, um, and, and you know we all know that there is a continues to be a huge uh, issue uh, in in uh, we're here in Canada, but in the United States, I'm sure in Canada, in in any number of other countries around the world, with getting access to legal services. Do you see that AI has a role to play in enhancing uh, access to justice, enhancing access to legal services? I mean, I'd say 100%. I think the challenges with tech and, you know, it's satirized in things like Silicon Valley, the TV show, is everyone wants to say, you know, uh, technology is going to make the world better no matter what, right? Um, but I do think in law specifically, there is, I've, it's one of the most per, kind of perfect situations where technology can help with a very a massive problem when you have the ability for a tool to scale what a lawyer can do that means they could help more clients so there's that 
way. But there's also the, you know, a lot of times people don't even know their problems are legal. So the idea of how do people now interact with things? You know, my wife's a doctor. People go on to WebMD way too much. I do. Every right. time I show up, I'm dying of something mm -hmm. horrific. <laughs> um, and it's actually kind of maybe just a mosquito bite, yeah, right? right? All of a sudden, it's uh, it's Ebola, you know? And I think we annoy them with that. But I bring that up as kind of a humorous way to say, I think there's a lot to come from a bunch of different companies operating where... Uh, and you see that happening. And I think part of uh, and what's essential to that is the changing regulations in the space. And I think you're seeing that in states like Utah and states like California. And I do think right now, 2019 is absolutely historical for a couple forces. Technology is changing as well as the regular regu there's a, a very strong desire and activity around regular regulatory reform. So. I don't think it's just, hey, you know, technology, our dog walking app is going to make the world a better place because dogs are, you know, humans' best friends and da-da-da. No, it's a lot of people would benefit from legal services. And why we even got involved in this was because of the way we feel about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and from my point of view, like, technology is, is, is always a lever. Um, if we go back 10 years... Um, it used to, it, it would like, think about Facebook. It, it took a team to build Facebook. Today, you probably could build Facebook, just one person, right. <laughs> um, in, in, in an afternoon. Yeah. Um, think about accounting, um, yeah. before calculators and spreadsheets in order to manage people's books. It took like a team. Yeah. Um, so technology increases, uh, humans capabilities and humans uh, human capacity and AI is going to do the same thing uh, for lawyers. It's going to increase lawyers capacity and it's going to help like the lawyers that we do have um, serve this market of people who need legal services but don't have access to it. Yeah. And our current lawyers can't serve them because there's so much overhead just to handle one matter. Um, so in, in the long term, um, I, I think we're going to really see like what a what a law firm looks like and what they're able to do change a lot. So you're five years in uh, on this. Um, you guys mm -hmm. were, as I said already, pretty young when you started this. No experience starting a business mm -hmm. before. No. What's the what's the biggest mistake you made? That's a tough one. I'm long probably, list. <laughs> that's, uh, Was it a long list? I mean, yeah, I think you make you make so many mistakes. I think a lot of it, um, things that f legal tech specific. I don't know. I think, I think. Why don't you jump in first? And I'll think on it because I <laughs> wow. usually am the one who. But I, I'll, I think one of the ones was um, you. You really think about your idea, yeah. and then you think about your initial people that you start the company with. So. Gmo and Parglas, and then what you also really have to become hyper aware of is that you're going to have to build a team, and building that team is not easy because you have to find the right people, you have to motivate people, you have to manage people, and so you can't just say we dream of a world where AI helps you know the disenfranchised and blah blah, blah and then it just 
happens. happens. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's not necessarily a mistake, but a lesson I think is um, just time management, ensuring that you're making as conscious of my energy and my passion is really gets ignited and I get really excited when I think about technology really driving a, a real change in access to justice, AI and the role it's gonna play in the future, et cetera. I don't necessarily get as excited when it comes to subjects like one-on-one um, -on -one check ins with employees <laughs> or um, quarterly uh, planning. Um, and so I think some of the things that um, I learned was just how important it is. And now, um, funny enough, I was talking to Gmo, I think this yesterday morning, this morning, about some of my plans around like management and changing things up. And uh, I'm starting to get passionate about that. But I think not thinking about the, um, the management, the, the team building as much as I should have, maybe. Yeah. And, um, for me, I think one of the mistakes, um, it sounds pretty benign, but uh, managing my energy and managing the, the energy of the, the people I'm responsible for. Like in the early days, we were just um, oh, yeah. pulling all-nighters, working days on end without sleep. Andrew, would, Me and Andrew would be like talking about some feature or some redesign. I'd be like, okay, um, me and Pargolas are going to redesign the whole app. We'll be done <laughs> in two days, and then we would not sleep. Um, so, and you know, like when you think about startups, you think about like that kind of right. mindset and attitude, but you can't keep on doing that yeah. because burnout creeps in right. and, and it's so slow. You don't even know when, 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 when you're, when you're in it. And if you're, if you're in a, if you're in a bad mood, um, the, the, the data that sure. you're collecting from yeah. your environment is very selective. Yeah. Um, and also how you, as a leader, how you, your mood, your energy, how you treat people ha has a ripple effect. Yeah. Um, so realizing that one, it's not about, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's not about your top speed. It's about how, how fast can you go for a sustained period of time? Yeah. Um, it seems really simple, but no, it makes you're, sense. You're, you're yeah, it makes 10 sense. times more productive. And there's only so way. much Mountain Dew a guy can drink. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Literally. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. I think part of that is um, managing expectations even of as you grow the team because, you know, there's a certain passion level that you get from an all-nighter, but you, we can't, you get to 20 employees, 30, 40, 50, 60. Like things change as you get larger and larger where it doesn't make sense to say, we're all just going to stay awake for it's three like, days straight. People like, have families. I have a family. Like I'm married. I'm married now, right? So yeah. like you know, there's just it's just changes. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just got a cat. Yeah, his very, name is Mango. It's very cute. It's an, ador <laughs> it's an adorable yeah. cat. <laughs> um, well, let me give each of you the the last word before we wrap up here. Uh, final thoughts, predictions, oversight, anything we forgot to talk about. Well, I want to give Gmo the last word because I speak so much that I think oh, you are pretty get, balanced yeah. here. Uh, oh, that's good. Uh, I've been working on that. Uh, I think for me, what I'd love to say is um, I think it, the time is now for people to have a good tempered discussion around the value of AI, how it's working, how it's not. I think it, I would really welcome everyone. Uh, to try our tool, try other tools, uh, obviously try Ross first. But um, joking aside, I think it's it's one thing to get excited about concepts and ideas, and it's another thing to get really excited about a specific product. And I think we've done a, a lot with Ross, and I think um, in a very short amount of time, we've established ourselves as someone to, to be 
um, large amounts of lawyers' preferred research tool, I think, is something that brings me a lot of, of personal satisfaction, I know, with the team. So I think what I would say to people is, look, I've never felt that in legal technology and in law, we're at more of a time of influx and change, and I actually truly see the light ahead. Not not talking about Ross, I'm talking about us as an industry. Like with California is talking about, you know, changing things very deeply when it comes to regulation. Utah's following suit. You're seeing what's happening in the UK. You know, I traveled to Singapore and I go to a legal tech event and the the clients are excited. The law firms are excited. The ministers of various in, uh, uh, aspects of their government show up. This is amazing. And it's yeah. happening worldwide. And so I know that there's a lot of people who have put in a lot of hard work, including you, Bob, uh, in this space to get people excited and to keep people motivated. And I feel like the best is yet to come. And we're about to do some really amazing things as an industry. Yeah, and, by the, and by the way, thank you for serving. You're serving on that California task force on... Uh Access, what's it called? Access yeah, to legal yeah. services or something? The yeah, future so of legal ATL, services? Uh, hashtag ATILs on Twitter for short. You'll find everything. But I mean, if hashtag, you're not, what, what is it? Uh, hashtag ATILs, A T I L S. Um, and I really feel like anyone who's listening to this podcast, agree, disagree with the regulatory reform, make your voice heard. Um, we have, right now, it's open for public comment. But this is, the world is changing. And I really feel like the legal uh, market is changing right now in such amazing ways. It, yeah. It's yeah. exciting. It is. So, Jimo, you get the last word. Last word. Okay. I just want to give a shout out uh, to our loyal customers if you're listening. Um, and if you're not one of our customers, um, we would love to talk to you about uh, how we can help. I love how you're now the marketing <laughs> and sales one. And I'm, I'm so I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a big thank you to everyone in the space um, for motivating us. And a big thank you for everyone who continues to kind of make this all happen. Um, as an industry, we've, we're, this is really amazing. Well, and a thanks, thanks to you guys for taking the time to sit down with me and do this and for hosting me in your office up here in Toronto. It's been it's been a lot of fun uh, to get to see that and, and get, get to see you. Uh, so uh, we've been talking with Andrew Aruda, the CEO of Ross Intelligence, and Jimo Ovigale. <laughs> Ovigale, right? Ovigale. Yeah, close enough. Not, no, what did I do wrong that time? Ovigale. Oviagale. Oviagale. I got yeah, the yeah. okay. I got the accent wrong. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Oviagale. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. It's um, our pleasure. And uh, it's it's been a real pleasure to talk to yeah. you guys.